Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. All around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com. It is, yes, it is the aforementioned Michael Duke Show. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the program and thanks for coming in and joining us. Uh, Just another beautiful hump day, hump day. That's right, middle of the week, looking for the downhill slide towards Firearms Friday. It is, uh, it is, it's the good day. It's the good day of the week, and we appreciate you guys coming in and joining us today as we go through, well, all the stuff that we're going to go through today. So what's on the agenda? Well, <clears throat> still trying to get uh, Representative Jonathan Christ Tompkins on the program uh, but according to an email or text conversation I had with him yesterday, it looks like that might not happen for maybe another two weeks now. I don't know what's going on, but uh, we're going to try and get him on the program here, hopefully before the session runs out. I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the hope of the discussion. We'll see what happens with that. Meanwhile, uh, we're going to uh, talk about several things here this morning, including probably the big one is going to be a discussion around the special election that has now come up uh, from Don Young's Young's, uh, 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 death last Friday and uh, what the details of that are going to be. There was a press conference yesterday uh, that the governor's office held, about an hour and a half press conference, which I actually listened to the whole thing um, while I was working yesterday. I had it running on in the background and... uh, Gleaned a couple of interesting pieces of information out of that, so we'll talk about that and exactly how that's going to go down. We're going to lay all that out for you. We're going to talk a little bit also today about inflation and the impact that we're seeing, uh, something that kind of went unnoticed, I mean, really by me, because again, I it's my fault. I don't, uh, I don't always pay attention to national things, but I was doing some interesting reading yesterday talking about the uh, effect uh, of the inflation and what it's having. We knew that it was getting bad, but last month, 7.9% uh, inflation uh, in the last month alone, which is the largest uh, increase since the close of the uh, <clears throat> since the close of the period in 1986. Um, and it's it's not getting better from here, folks. It's not getting better from here. The inflationary factor is real. We're seeing the impact on uh, we're seeing the impact on, uh, on local businesses, uh, and of course on things like food at the grocery store and everything else. Of course, gas prices are up and through the roof. I don't think I've paid less than five dollars a gallon for gas for the last uh, three four weeks now, and uh, it's uh, it's it you know it, it's going to get worse, and so. Today, uh, I'm going to go ahead and in hour one, we're going we're gonna to have that discussion, okay, uh, which includes some phone calls from you. So we'll open up the phone lines in hour one here. <clears throat> the Pivotel call-in lines at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Uh, 
907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off, I'm going to, we're going to invite you to come in and call and commentate on this a little bit if you'd like. Uh, Also in hour two, as of Wednesday, since it's Wednesday, we're going to be joined by our friend State Senator Mike Schauer for what we lovingly call the Shower Hour of Power. And he'll be coming on board with us to talk about, uh, well, to talk about all the different kinds of stuff uh, that, including, I'm sure, the special elections and all that kind of stuff as well. Since he's got an interest in this, he was quoted. Uh, he was quoted, uh, uh, well, not heavily, I guess, but he was the only legislator that was quoted in the story in the ADN today about what's going on with this uh, special election. So, um, should be an interesting discussion with him on both the special election and everything else that's going on in the uh, legislature as of right now. And we're going to uh, see where this goes. On top of that, we will talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in Ukraine. Some experts are now saying that um, <clears throat> that uh, Putin, is his back is really against the wall. Uh, several defense experts are saying that they're estimating that as far as supply chain goes, now take this with a grain of salt. I'm not an expert. I can only see what's going on. Um, with, um, um, I could only, I could only re- report what I've been reading in, in all this. And there's people who pay much closer attention to this than I do, but I've seen a variety of reports since yesterday, um, <clears throat> that, uh, that the Russian army only has between three and 10 days worth of resupply left before their forward momentum completely comes to a halt. Uh, and there are actually uh, reports of uh, scads, I guess, is an, I don't know if that's an official uh, phrase, but scads of Russian soldiers actually defecting and giving themselves up voluntarily, surrendering to troops, uh, so much so that some of these check-in soldiers that uh, Putin has brought in, apparently, according to a couple of the British magazines, have been ordered to uh, follow around as execution squads to kill his own men if they decide to desert. Um, or surrender to the Ukrainians. So, I mean, it's just not looking like it's a real solid attack, right? That's going to be a problem. Uh, and, of course, nobody, I think, has really gone into the longer-term problems since Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. Nobody's gone into some of the deeper ramifications of what this means for the coming year. If this doesn't get sewed up here pretty quickly, uh, you know, for spring to come and a chance for the Ukrainians to uh, plant crops and do things like that, it's... Um, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be an interesting year. Let's just put it let's just put it that way. So there's a lot of things to cover today, um, and uh, we'll try and we'll try and be as uh, um, as educational as we can be, and we'll we'll put as much information out there as we can get. Uh, but let's start off. Let's see, what do I want to start off with? Do I want to start off with? I have a feeling that if I get into the special election thing, I'm going to get ranty, and so I don't want to do that uh, right off the bat. Let's first talk about. The uh, inflationary uh, measures and the pressures that we're seeing right now. Uh, I've seen several posts here in the last few days from business owners around the state of Alaska talking about how they're being affected by inflation and how, uh, well, it it ain't great, folks. Uh, a lot of smaller businesses uh, have been having um, um, have have really having a, a tough time out there. Uh, and they're really part of that tough time. It's, it appears to be in educating their public in letting them know that, Hey, things are more expensive now. Um, one of my friends, uh, down in Homer, Greg Collins is a, uh, uh, is a, uh, a small business owner 
and he's been talking about uh, how the his costs, especially a lot of the things that are going on uh, with his business and quotes and things like that, have gotten higher and higher, and he's going to re- start reflecting some of that stuff, uh, and that people need to understand what's happening. Um, and uh, somebody else in Fairbanks, one of my friends in Fairbanks who owns a business, posted something similar in the same thing. He says, look, you know, it's stressful to be a business owner to begin with, and now you add all this uh, inflationary pressure on top of it, and people just don't understand when your quotes and, you know, the cost of your goods and services start going up and up and up. Um, it's, um, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty rough out there. So this morning, I'd like to invite uh, anybody who is, uh, you know, directly in the middle of this and suffering from this. I'd love to hear from you today. Um, if you would like to uh, give me a call and uh, tell me how it's affected you so far. And of course, everybody's being affected by the cost of fuel, whether that's, uh, you know, fuel for your truck, uh, your car, you know, your whatever, or, you know, for your equipment, uh, or even heating your home in Fairbanks. I guess uh, last week I heard that heating oil peaked up over $4 a gallon. Um, and all I could think of was, man, the amount of fuel that I burned when I was in Fairbanks at my house in Fairbanks is, um, and, it, you know, it's it's a real... It's a real deal. You know, when you start talking about going through 200, 300 gallons of heating oil a month uh, in the dead of winter. Now, of course, luckily now we're coming into spring, but you start thinking about it and, you know, even 200 gallons uh, a month, all of a sudden that's 800 or or $1,000 a month just to heat your home. It's, um, it's, it's, it's been, it's been crazy. So uh, I would love to hear from any of the uh, business owners out there who are experiencing this. You don't have to identify your business or anything else, but you know, I would love to hear you know the kind of challenges that you're facing um, and what does it mean for you. So four three three thirty one fifty is the phone number if you'd like to call in on the Pivotel call in line, uh, and I you know I'd like to hear your experiences on that as well, especially if your businesses that have you know that have a lot of hard costs or costs of goods sold or things like that. Um, you know, where, you know, you're seeing those increases and now you're having to explain them to your customers. I, I find that a fascinating discussion and I'd, I'd like to see how some of you are handling it. So we're going to do that here to begin with in the first part of the hour, and then we're going to get into the special elections that's coming up next. Let's go over to the phone lines since, uh, we've got, uh, folks already calling in and I'd like to hear from you. We'll start off over here and say, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning, Michael. Greg down at Homer. Well, hello, my friend. I mean, speak of the devil, and he should appear. Um, you've been on my mind a lot because I see you've been yeah. ma- you've been mentioning this a few times, and it's, and you and several other my other business friends are all kind of you guys are all you don't know each other, but you're all saying kind of the similar things. Um, so tell me a little bit about how inflation is hitting your business, and you know what how, what kind of problems it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's creating, and and let's talk about that. You know, we've been in business down here for a long time, and you know we've been through a, a, a couple of bumpy spots. But this one's a lot different because the supply chain's broken a little bit. <laughs> Some areas it broke a lot. Right. Um, just use a, a piece of four-inch ABS pipe for sewer. That you know we use a lot of it. And last year uh, in the spring, it was about ninety-six dollars for twenty feet. And today we're paying $160 for 20 feet. Wow. And uh, PVC pipe uh, that you would use for drainage and stuff uh, was 
I think, $14, $15 a stick in the spring last year, and it's now $45 a stick. So the, the freeze and everything that happened in Texas a couple of years ago took some resin plants offline, and they haven't got them back because the resins got hard. They couldn't save it. So some of them went broke. Some of them have rebuilt, but it's still the supplies. So the cost of supplies is up, and now you start adding you know, uh, inflation, and uh, fuel has gone way up. So our freight, uh, last year I was paying $600 to get you know, 20,000 pounds of salt to Homer, and now I'm paying over a <laughs> thousand. So just to get the stuff to us is, is added a ton of cost. Right. And now we don't know if when, when when I quote a job, generally that quote's good for months. Now I have to to I'm I'm trying to protect myself a little bit and say the quote's good for a week. If we don't start the job and order all the parts, then you're going to have to pay that. If those parts come in twenty percent higher, you're going to have to pay that, right? Because I can't, I can't eat it, right? Well, and especially you know, since the, the fuel fact that cost for my machinery has gone up, but I, I don't know. That's pretty easy to work with fuel, right? Just for me, but then it's all the unknowns of the parts. Can I even get them? Right. No, and that's the challenge. That's where the, yeah, the, all the concerns are. Yeah, and I was going to say, then the fuel costs going up and down. I mean, it is kind of a fixed cost, and you can get a fuel surcharge and everything else. But at the same time, it just leads to more uncertainty, which makes it tougher and tougher uh, for small businesses out there. What I mean, what what do you you know? What kind of changes are you are you making? You know, when you're talking to your customers or your clients, I mean, what what are some of the things that are changing? Are you talking about this and talking about the increase in prices and I mean, outside of the now the one week quote versus the multi month quote, what else are you telling your customers, and what's their reaction no, so we're, far? We're talking to them about it, and you know, I've I've had a couple of people that we've discussed it, and you know, their schedule was, hey, we're going to build this and have it all done in three or four months, and a couple of them have backed up and said, wait, we're not going to build this year, we're going to wait till next year, which may or may not be. A good idea. I don't know, but the biggest thing that we're talking about is, as the is the the pricing. They have to fully understand that things are rapidly changing. There's not. This isn't a long, you know, two year thing where things went up ten percent. I mean, we're we're fifty, uh, in some cases a hundred percent more on s certain items. And they have to understand going in that hey, you know, this used to be a ten thousand dollar job, and we're up put to fifteen to twenty now. Right, right. And and if they understand that and they say yes, it's okay. But I I just really try to caution everybody that hey, you know, this thing's this might not be the right time. Well, and it may want to do yeah, and it may lead to what you you're know? talking about people taking the gamble that it may be cheaper down the road. Um, because they're worried. I mean, it is a gamble. Do we do we pay the extra fifty or hundred percent now, or do we wait and see what shakes out in the next twelve to twenty four months? There's no guarantees, obviously, but uh, it definitely makes it tougher to do business in that environment. And uh, like I said, you're not the only one that's been talking about this uh, out on the uh, on Facebook and on social medias and trying to educate people about it. But I, I appreciate your efforts in that, my friend. Thank you for uh, thanks for sharing with us well, this morning. Have you? Hmm? Have you gone to the grocery store lately, Michael? 
Uh, I haven't been to the grocery store in a few weeks, but uh, I understand that there's definitely some holes you, and some costs really and everything should, else. You really should. It's not so much the holes. It's the price. Go go peruse those things that you know you, you knew what they cost before. <laughs> My wife came home the other day. She had spent, I think it was $170 at the grocery store, and she had a very small bag of groceries. And she goes, what is going on? Yeah. No, I know I was watching like so the one thing. Everything I've, across the board. Yeah, one thing I watch is bacon for sure because I love bacon. And, we, and I've noticed that it has gone up about 25 or 30 uh, percent in just the last uh, three weeks alone. So definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely not a, a good time to be around for those things. Uh, hey, uh, thank you so much, Greg, for coming on board. I appreciate it. I'm up against the break. I uh, appreciate you calling in and joining us. Folks, we got more coming up. We're going to continue. We're going to take some more phone calls, and uh, we'll see what you guys have to say. Greg, hold the line for just a second, if you will, or don't. Uh, we're going to be back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you're a business owner, you're feeling the pinch you're trying to figure out a way to pass it on to your customer or explain to your customer what's going on, I'd love to hear from you this morning at 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. Back with more in your phone calls right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free, like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we are in the break right now. Greg said, sorry, I hung up. No problem, Greg. I just wanted to see if there's anything else you wanted to share with us off the air. So no big deal. I just uh, I thought I'd give you the opportunity since I was there uh, to talk about it. Uh, yeah, no, this, this whole thing is, uh, you know, it, it's, it's definitely troubling. Um, and the fact that, uh, you know, you get all this assurances from the federal government and from the, the talking heads there to don't worry about this. It's just transitory. Uh, but now you have things like Saudi Arabia saying they're not sure they can fulfill all the oil that everybody wants. And, uh, and, you know, now the Saudi Arabia is talking about taking, uh, for the first time ever, taking uh, like Chinese yuan as a commodity for their oil instead of just the U.S. dollar, which is what it's been for, well, forever. And um, you gotta, you got <laughs> you you gotta, you gotta wonder what's gonna happen. You gotta, you know, it's it's very very troubling. That's for sure. So we're going to uh, continue on with this, and then we will, uh, and then we'll dive into this whole thing on the special election. Uh, because that press conference happened yesterday and uh, answered a lot of questions for me, um, and uh, we'll 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 see if I can share some of that information with you. Let's see what's in the chat room. Um, uh, money blinds perspective. Gotti mind reservoir. Well, no, I mean, look, you know, love of money is the root of all evil. But that's the thing; it's not money; it's the love of money. But sometimes, you I mean, you got to have money just to survive. And when we're talking about, you know, being able to survive and if you're a business owner, the, you know, take care of your employees and everything else, it uh, it's not the love of money. It's the, you know, it's the people and, the, and doing the job and taking care of your community that concerns you, I think, or most people anyway. 
Uh, Jimmy says, quoted, $3,000 for a broken leaf spring on a 2006 F-150, 1800 for just the part and 1200 for labor. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. Trust me, I, I know all about that lately. Uh, what about staff salaries? Did those go up 7.9% too? No, they didn't. I mean, Chris, that's the, that's the problem. When your labor pool has a fixed salary cost and your inflationary, uh, and your inflationary gap goes up something like that, that's the whole point of the devalued purchasing power, right? I mean, that's what, that's what goes on. I mean, this is what happens when you have things like quantitative easing and out-of-control spending and the fact that we're borrowing more money than we take in. That's what continues to happen. Um, let's see. Uh, maintaining a high profit margin by business owners during an economic readjustment is not inflation. It's greed. I'm sure that there is some of that, Jim. I'm sure that there is some of that where you know sometimes people see an opportunity and so they're profiteering a bit. But it's not all that. I mean, it's not all... Uh, you know, somebody being greedy. Uh, part of it is the law of supply and demand. If there's a finite amount, then people can can get a better price. But some of it's just it's costing more to do a lot of these things. Uh, I mean, this is all the things that drive those costs up. Um, uh, Kelly said, "I just went and got a second job, working on a third. Thank God, people still don't want to work. I mean, yeah, but uh, there comes a time when there's only so many hours in the day, right, Kelly?" There's only so many hours in the day, and uh, you know when you run out of hours and you still got to sleep and you're still making it, you know that's the problem. That's where it's a struggle. That's where it's a struggle for sure. Uh, all right, we got one line on hold. We're coming back to the radio here in about sixty seconds. Let me get the name uh, of this caller. We'll figure out who it is. Good morning. Who are you? Where are you calling from? <laughs> this is Brian calling you from the fish egg. All right, hold on, Brian. I'll be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Calling me from the fish hook up in Wasilla. All right, so we're going to talk with with Brian here in just a second. We're going to take another couple. I got a couple of good comments here in the chat room that we're going to talk about uh, as well, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what we can go through from here. Uh, please like and share this video. Please like and follow the show page. Make sure you hit subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube and. Uh, I don't know. Just let's get more people involved in this conversation, shall we? That's that's why I ask you to share, because I want more people in here to talk with us. $5.33 a gallon for diesel in Homer. Oof. Oof, baby. Oof. Just gets, just gets better from there, doesn't it? All right, here we go. Jumping back into it. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, uh, welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio, we're talking about the inflationary crunch that's going on right now. We felt it. We don't know what it's going to be for March yet, but we do know that in February, inflation was at a record high, 40-year high since like 1986, uh, 7.9% interest uh, uh, in, uh, in just the one month of February. Uh, and I'm asking business owners and people who work in the in that sector and are seeing the crunch to 
give us their strategies. What are they, you know, what's it look like from your perspective? What's happening there? And what do you tell your customers and everything else? So inviting you guys all to call in this morning at 433-3150. Let's go over to the line right now. We got Brian who is over in Wasilla on the fish hook. Uh, good morning, my friend. What's on your mind? Oh, so much on my mind this morning. Um, I want to just take a quick minute to commiserate with Greg. I feel for him, man. It's it would be a bad it's a bad time to be a, a small business owner that is in construction. Yeah. Um, most of my contracts, I've got uh, I'm running five right now. Uh, most of them are uh, longer term, but they are firm fixed price. We bid them. We bid them lean, pretty lean margins, and you know when you're looking out six, seven months down the road for deliveries of equipment, and you, you're not even sure you can get them, uh, and you're seeing four price increases, and they still can't promise you a delivery date. It gets really scary. Um, you know, and it is to the point my my clients are, are is the federal government, but we are now to the point where we have uh, taken to a strategy to where we are going to actually, you know, start tracking these cost increases and be going back to the government looking for more money simply because they are so far out of whack now. Right. Um, you know, coming out of the coming out of the, um, the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of especially small businesses who really got crunched in, in you know, during the lockdowns and, and and the whole economic dislocation, where they have tapped out their credit sources and they are running really lean. I mean. They have they have no uh, they have no cash reserve. They you know, pretty much burn all the cash reserve just trying to stay uh, alive during the, right. the, the COVID. Well, and, and so the, now they're coming back and they're, they they've got notes coming due. You know they're trying to they're trying to trying to ramp up finding labor shortages and they don't have a lot of you know they don't have a lot of cash sitting around uh, to pay vendors and to pay suppliers and that sort of stuff. So uh, my strategy so far has just you know. Ben, watch the numbers and keep the pressure on wherever I can keep the pressure on to to get their deliveries in, in line. Like keeping trying to communicate with the client that hey, you know we're we're not goofing off, we're not slacking, we're trying to get it from you know 30 weeks or to delivery to 53 weeks, and you know everything goes up and it's just it's a it's a scary time in, in this business. No, and I've spoken to several business owners, you know, who exactly what you talked about, you know, during the pandemic, you know, first they exhausted their cash reserves and then they tapped into their lines of credit um and so not only do they not have any cash reserves they've taken on a ton of new debt trying to stay open and stay survived to see the end of it and now they're just coming out of it and as you said time's coming you know loans coming due and again lack of uh lack of uh, uh, reliable employees and other things i mean it it's really kind of created this perfect storm of pressure uh especially on smaller businesses who don't have the breadth of scale to be able to, you know, to have some of that capitalization that they need to make it work. And that is, uh, like I said, that's the scariest time to be a small business owner is when you've, you've made that decision to try and gut it out. I mean, some people, I know several businesses that just pulled the plug after they started to get to the end of their cash reserves. Yeah. They said, you know what? No more. We're done. And they, and they shuttered it and they got, they got out, you know, without having to, to dig the hole deeper for themselves. But some people were, you know, they were hopeful or they were stubborn or both. And, uh, and now they're struggling just as much, if not more, than early on in the pandemic because they're, they're, you know, they're trying to see how they can get out of that hole. And everything else, the inflation and the supply chain issues and everything else, have made it even harder. 
Yeah, there's the adage the government is big enough to give you everything you want. It's also big enough to take everything from you. Uh, yeah. The Catholics in uh, D.C. are not helping in the least. Um, this minimum wage thing, I mean, it's driving part of the inflation, uh, idiotic energy policy by the president administration, COVID, um, the government, you know, turning money out of uh, turning money out of the air and dumping it in the economy, and they seem surprised. Seriously. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah. Again, Greg, I appreciate it, man. It's, I know that you're in a tough spot, and all the small business owners out there, especially if you're if you're dealing with fixed uh, from fixed price contracts. Holy cow, man! I, I feel yeah. Feel your pain. No, it's all these Keynesian ec- economists who all of a sudden looked at the sky and they're they're squinting and they're going, "How could this be? How could this be happening?" While all the Austrian ec- economists are going, "Well, we've been telling you for forty years that this we is told what's going you so. on." I mean, we told you it doesn't yeah, help us, but we yeah. you know we told you so. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't see this coming, you're you're seriously delusional. Yeah. Well. Anyway, th- Mr. Dukes, <laughs> thank um, you. Thank you for your time and for all that you do. And hello to everyone in uh, the Dukes world. All right. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for calling in and joining us. No, I mean, look, this is a this is an issue, folks. And I mean, we're not going to solve it here by talking about it. But at least if we're talking about it, we may be getting some ideas and some explanations, especially from small business owners who can tell us exactly what's going on. Uh, Anthony in the chat room uh, 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 sounded off here just a bit ago. Anthony's a certified boiler tech, and he said, uh, "He said, look, uh, you know, because Greg was talking about the increase in prices, and he said, look, there's boiler primary controls that used to be eighty to hundred dollars, and now they're over four hundred dollars at his cost." He said, "Some of the electronics have quadrupled in price over the last year, and that obviously is one of them." But yeah, we're seeing that. I spoke with a business owner, a restaurant owner in Fairbanks uh, over the weekend. We were having a conversation. And he's like, you don't understand things that I used to pay, you know, like, for example, he'd get beef and he said, I'd buy beef by the container load uh, to do it. And I'd pay three and a half, four bucks a pound. He goes, now it's well over seven and I still have to trim it and do everything else. He goes, I'm into that beef for 10 bucks a pound now. And, uh, and I'm like, well, holy cow, with labor and everything else, cooking the dish and everything, if you're charging $18 for the dish and it's costing you $13 where it used to cost you 7 he's like, yeah. He goes, "There's there, the profit margin has gone completely. And, you know, so they're having to raise their prices and people are upset about it. But this is what happens. This is what happens. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's frustrating. Frustrating for sure to watch this. Uh, anyway, I appreciate a couple of business owners sounding off on this because I think this is uh, I, I think this is important at least to point out and pay attention to. Uh, again, it's not like we're going to fix the inflationary gap here on this program, but at least uh, other business owners may have listened and known that they're not the only ones out there. Uh, and maybe we should do a whole maybe we should do a whole show on this uh, sometime or a whole hour on this and bring in some uh, some local business owners to talk about their strategies for trying to handle it. Um, because, you know, we're going to be facing more of it uh, as we continue the runaway spending, this $1.5 trillion spending package that they're, they've got in Congress and everything else, on top of the trillions and trillions of dollars we've spent over the last couple of years trying to, uh, you know, to ease the pain of the pandemic. Um, you know, I don't think there's, I don't think there's really, here's the problem. I don't think there's any real exit strategy. Um, I don't think there's any real exit strategy from what we've got going on in this runaway spending. 
Um, I think, unfortunately, people will delude themselves into thinking that we're all okay until we are absolutely, absolutely not okay. You know what I mean? Uh, that there, we've gone past a point of no return and we can't pull it back. I think that'll be part of the problem. All right, uh, we're going to uh, take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the special elections, yesterday's press conference from the governor, and more. Then we're going to pick it up in the top of hour two with uh, State Senator Mike Shower. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, in the break uh, now. Yeah, I mean, I, there's, again, there's nothing we can do to solve the inflationary problem per se in the room. But, you know, I, I did want to just talk about it, especially in light of, you know, the business owners and people coming out of the pandemic and, you know, looking for solutions for how they can um, address some of these problems, um, you know, especially with their customers. I mean, you know, we're also stressed as customers and consumers. We're stressed about everything that's been going on and we're worried about it. And so, yeah, we get a little agitated when we walk into our favorite eatery and the meal goes from $10 to $12 or $14 or whatever it is. And we're like, well, whoa, 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 wait a second. I was just paying, you know, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of back on that kind of stuff. There's a lot of background. There's a, everybody's got to get their little bite at the apple on the supply chain on every one of those things. And as costs continue to go up, everybody's got to add their little bit to try and make it through. Uh, and Chris made an interesting point in the chat room uh, here a minute ago. Um, I'm scrolling backwards to make sure that I uh, quote him properly. Chris on YouTube says, employers are not raising salaries while they are raising prices to address their rising costs. Workers are borrowing the brunt of the inflation. Yeah, in a lot of cases, it's not like employers are gouging people and lining their pockets. They're offsetting the, you know, they're offsetting those rising costs by raising prices. But that also means that they're kind of at a status quo, so they can't like give their their employer their employees a raise. And so the employees of one business are still faced with the rising prices of another business. And so we are bearing the brunt of it. I mean, that is the absolute definition of the loss of purchasing power. And we're seeing that. Um, And, of course, anybody that has been following this all along, I mean, I've been saying for years, you can't spend what you don't have unless you're Congress, in which case you can, and then act like everything's going to be okay. And that's, that's the problem. Uh, Daniel says it feels like they were able to get a lot of the small businesses through the pandemic and they, now they are coming for those who survived. I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, I think it does feel, I mean, people thought I got made it through the pandemic. Now I can. And all of a sudden it's like, oh no, here's your inflation and here's your supply chain problems. And here's your employee problems. You made it through the brunt of the, of the pandemic, but now you're like, nope, sorry. The struggle continues. The struggle is real. He continues by saying, I was planning on expanding my business this year and have had to delay due to inflation and the rise in fuel prices, just like Greg was talking about. Some people are saying, well, we were going to build this year, but we've decided to wait and hold off. Exactly. I mean, it's a gamble. 
Maybe it'll go down. Maybe it won't. But, I mean, you, you know right now that the numbers right now probably don't pencil out. So do you jump in with both feet and hope for the best, or do you put it off and gamble that it's going to get better? I would probably fall more into the latter camp more than anything else just because of who I am and, and how I think. But uh, it definitely – and that, that, of course, leads to more, you know – the, the the confidence in any kind of uh, in any kind of economy is important. I mean, let's face it: the whole economy is based on consumer confidence. If you get more and more businesses that are refusing to expand because of the cost of things that are going on, and they continue to huddle down and they don't expand and hire more employees and do all those things, uh, that eventually has a ripple effect on the economy in itself. And uh, you know, and then the you know, a lot of you are mentioning energy and everything else. Isn't all the crap going on energy? Well, there's a big chunk of it that's energy related. But yeah, it's uh, it's tough. The only ones that seem to be making out are the ones who are working for the government. They've got the steady paycheck. They know that they'll never have to really justify what's going on. And uh, you know, it's it's a fr- it's a frustrating thing at this point. It's definitely frustrating. Um, all right, uh, what else? If you think this is bad, I work for a government agency that hands out twenty thousand dollars for training or apprenticeships. Unions have strong-armed the state and the Fed, so now instead of the union paying for their guys' training and gear, they make the Department of Labor do it on the taxpayer dimes. Twenty k for free, your tax dollars at work. Oof. Well, I mean, that's, that's you know, yeah. I bought three new pieces of equipment, says Greg, two months before COVID hit. Now we grind hard to pay them off. I mean, that's exactly it. Those people that got caught short with their pants down, when the pandemic hit, I mean, of course, nobody could predict it, but it's just, oh, man. Um, uh, Chris says, literally, government spending is out of control. I make crap money, so I do firewood on the side, and that's how I make it. I mean, that's what every, everybody's doing the side hustle. Kelly was talking about getting a second job and looking for a third. It's, uh, it's you know, it's it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, luckily I'm more of an ideas guy than a numbers guy, so I don't get too far down into the weeds, but I know some people, uh, Harold is mentioning spreadsheets and how it's fascinating. I'm sure it is. Makes my eyes glaze over. I understand the big picture, but not the finite details. And that, uh, that's where the money meets the road right now. All right. Let's, um, I guess let's uh, jump back into it. We're about 20 seconds out. So we'll just, uh, we'll just go forward from here. Uh, please like and share this video this morning. Like and follow the show page and uh, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, continuing now uh, here on the program. We're changing gears a little bit. We've been talking about inflation, but now we're going to talk about the special election. And we talked about this a bit yesterday in our one of the program. And, uh, you know, we had some details. We didn't have all the actual specifics of what was going on. And now it's out. Yesterday, the governor held a press conference with the lieutenant governor and uh, Gail Fenum. Uh, Thanumiai, who is the uh, director of the Alaska Division of Elections. 
And so we got some details now, and it's pretty well. The governor is going to, I don't know if he has, he's supposed to, I guess, this morning. He was going to put out a proclamation late last night or this morning doing the actual official proclamation. But um, here's the general rule, and this is what I talked about yesterday. So they've decided that according to state law, now first and foremost, people were like, well, why can't he just appoint it like, you know, Murkowski did with it? Well, because there's actually a there's actually a clause in the U.S. Constitution that uh, while it allows for senators to be appointed by governors in the event of a vacancy, um, the the um, representatives in Congress in the U.S. House of Representatives they must be elected by their peers. They can it cannot be appointed according to the U.S. Constitution. This was all from the press conference yesterday. And then state law lays out very specific things that have to happen within 60 to 90 day windows of these kind of things going on. And so they're kind of caught, you know, they're kind of caught by the short hairs on this uh, with what they have to do. So the thing, you know, the issue becomes state law requires that in the event of a vacancy, that a special primary election has to be held no sooner than 60 days, no later than 90 days. Okay, from the date of the vacancy, so 60 to 90 days, and that the special general election is on the first Tuesday that is 60 days after the primary. And so we, we have this in law that there have to be two elections, special elections, and they're both um, now uh, they're both now covered by BM2, which I have to laugh every time I say BM2, uh, ballot measure number two. And so what they've decided is that they're going to hold the special primary on June 11th. Now, and and the major change to that is because of the rapidity in which they have to put all this together, the speed by which they have to get this done, they have decided that they're going to do the special primary by mail-in ballot. So it will be a statewide mail-in voting for the primary itself. And again, this is all under ballot measure number two, so the primary will be a jungle primary, meaning that all candidates, regardless of party affiliation, will appear on one ballot, and you will get a chance to vote for one candidate. The top four vote-getters from that special primary will then move on to the special general, which will happen on August the 16th, which just happens to be the same day as the regular statewide primary election. So you'll end up actually voting twice for the same seat on July the 16th because you will have the special general election for just Don Young's seat, and then you will have the regular primary election for all the other seats, governor, State House, representatives, everything else, and a primary for the regular election for the U.S. Congress seat and the Senate seat uh, held by Murkowski. And that will take place in a regular election style, meaning in-person voting and everything else. The only reason they say that they're doing the mail-in ballot is because they don't have the time to make sure they can corral all the horses for voter uh you know for voter for people to work in the voting booths and everything else and of course they've got a paper shortage there's a known paper shortage around the u.s they're having supply chain problems and everything else so this is all the reasoning why they're giving all this stuff 
Now, there are some good newses on that, uh, good news on that, in that the uh, Supreme Court last year suspended the requirement for a witness signature on the ballots, but that was only applicable to the 2020 general election. So they still so so now we are back to where you have to have a witness signature uh, on mail-in ballots that's required by state law, and you have to have some kind of primary identifier, which would be you know your date of birth, the last four years social, your Alaska driver's license number, whatever. Now, one thing that I noticed in the press conference yesterday is that somebody said, "Is there going to be uh, you know ballot? Is there going to be signature verification? Is there going to be you know if there's a witness signature, is somebody going to go verify?" Uh, that signature. And um, in the uh, in the press conference, Corey Mills, who is the uh, uh, deputy attorney general, said there is no provision in state law for the state to be able to validate or, you know, uh, to to verify the signatures of of the winners. Which, um, it, you know, are not, not of the winners, but of the voters, rather. So kind of a kind of a, a you know it's a catch twenty two. It's good that the signature is required, but there's you know, my name is Tom Dick and Harry. You know, I mean I don't know whatever you write on there. There's no there's no verification on that. Um, definitely an interesting thing. And of course, the biggest challenge I think is the fact you know to me the biggest challenge is not necessarily the mail in ballots. Although I am concerned about things like chain of custody and everything else. I mean, when I get my ballots, I think I will probably be hand delivering my ballots to the various one of the local regional offices, which you can do. They said you can vote in person up to 15 days ahead of time at the local regional offices if you get there. And they should have ballot collection boxes there as well. So I think I will probably be taking my mail in ballots and I will probably be hand delivering them to the local, you know, my whole families will gather up all the family voting, you know, all the all the family ballots and we'll take them down into one shot and we'll do that. But what really concerns me um, is the fact that we are going to have the special general election and the regular primary on the same day. Because the ranked choice voting and the jungle primary thing are confusing enough. But now you're going to have, uh, so now. But now you're going to have two different types of voting for the same office on the same ballot, right? Because you're going to have the special general election for the U.S. Congress or House seat only, and then you will have the regular primary for that same house seat as well. And for the primary, you'll be you'll only be able to vote for one, but the special general portion of the ballot, you will have to rank them 1 to 4. Am I am I making that clear? Am I am I am I being clear enough on that? So, cuz I was explaining this to somebody yesterday on the phone, we were having a conversation about it. And they said, "Wait a minute, you you lost me." You lost me. I said, so primaries in the state of Alaska now under BM2. Primaries are now jungle primaries, meaning every candidate from any party all appear on a single ballot and you get to vote for one. 
general elections are now ruled by the rank choice voting scenario, which means you rank your top four choices. So when you have the two types of when you have the two types of elections, a primary and a general election on the same day, and based on what they said yesterday, um, I think it's going to appear on actually the same ballot was the language that I think Fanumi I was using yesterday, uh, that they will actually appear on the same ballot. I mean, it, it's all it's already confusing to begin with because you've got two different types of voting primary, jungle primary, and the ranked choice voting. Now, not only are you going to have two different types of voting, they're going to appear for the same office on the same ballot. Now, maybe you're like, well, I'm smart enough to figure that out. Well, good. I'm glad. I mean, I think I'll figure it out too. But I'm looking at the hundreds of thousands of voters in the state of Alaska who really don't pay attention to this stuff. They may know some kind of change is coming, but they really don't understand it. And they're going to hit the voting booth and they're going to have nothing, no understanding of they're going to be like, huh, what, huh, what? So, I mean, I think that, you know, probably listeners to this show smart enough to understand what I'm saying. And not that people who aren't listening to this show aren't smart enough. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But you are at least educated enough to understand it. But the people who go in really and they're not paying attention to the politics or the systems or anything else that's going on, they're going to get there and there's going to be a ton of confusion, frustration, and dare I say anger at what goes on. Now, this could be a good or a bad thing. I mean, it may it may lead to such a backlash uh, against the whole ranked choice voter primary system that it uh, it you know that they demand that it that it gets repealed. I don't know. Maybe we'll see what happens. But I do know that it's going to be a hot mess, and I know that it will cause some people to just throw up their hands and walk away. And that, to me, is the worst part. When they've made it so convoluted and they've made it so complicated. Now, I granted, I know in and of itself, you know, ranked choice voting doesn't seem that complicated. Jungle primary is not that complicated. But when you start throwing them together and doing all these other things, people are just, they're, they're, they're there's going to be a lot of frustration. A lot of frustration. And then again, going back to the mail-in voting thing, again, there are still some concerns about, you know, ballot chain of custody, verifying signatures, things like that, that just aren't, they're not there. The, the, the security measures for those ballots are not there. And those ballots are sacrosanct, right? I mean, they, they're, they're sacred. And they should be held with a degree of uh, you know, of of security and reverence that, you know, to keep the, you know, one, the anonymity of the voting booth is the one thing, but also the security of that ballot is something else that's paramount. And although I know some people in the chat room are screaming voter suppression and everything else, we need to have some form of security on those ballots if it's not just a person stepping into the booth themselves, pulling the lever and handing it off to the election worker. We need to have that. There's got to be some kind of security for that because there are bad people out there, folks, who will do bad things. We've seen it. We know it. We understand it. And uh, 
we've got to do everything we can to protect it. But it's, uh, I mean, I, I just, it's going to be a hot mess. It's going to be a hot mess. All right. Uh, we will continue. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Hour two dead ahead. State Senator Mike Shower will be joining us. And uh, we'll uh, get his take on this and more. Back with more when we return right after this. Be kind, love one another, live well. And uh, I see Matt is over here uh, blaming the Dunleavy administration for this. I mean, the Dunleavy tried to reach out to the legislators and said, you guys have got bills for election integrity in the system right now. Can you modify it to make sure that there's only has to be one vote? Can you can you do anything about it? Can you get some of these security things out? And it's very obvious that the legislature has no interest in taking any of this stuff up. I don't know if you can lay this at the feet of the Dunleavy administration. I mean, they're... Hands are tied by code. I mean, the code says this is what you'll do. Then that's what you'll do. This statute says then, I mean, the the, the governor does not have the same purview that the legislature does to just ignore the statute. Right? My voting education comes from this show. Jimmy, 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 please get a broader education. Okay? I mean, I'm glad I can point you in the right direction on some of these things, but I am definitely not the end-all and be-all of all this information. Okay? I'm trying to disseminate as much as I can and, and explain it in my own simple way. Uh, you know, I try to take things that can be complex and I try to simplify them as best I can. But please make sure you get more education than just listening to this show. I mean, it's a good start. Don't get me wrong. I'm not denigrating myself to that point. But uh, you definitely need to, you know, end all be all. Cindy says, can you explain why we even have a primary? It seems unnecessary and costing the state dollars. Um, because it's in statute. That's why we have to have a primary. It's in statute. I mean, first of all, they have to find a way to narrow it down for the ranked choice voting in the general. They have to find a way to narrow it down to the top four vote getters. That's why they do that. They have to narrow it down to the top four vote getters, and the only way to do that is essentially through a primary. Um, And again, it's in state law. Uh, If it wasn't in state law, there are some states that do an all or nothing. But again, if you don't get a plurality, then you have to have a runoff election anyway. Right. So even if you put everybody on the ballot and there was 15 candidates on the ballot and you did a ranked choice, uh, you know, you, you basically it runs down to almost zero. But you if you don't get that plurality, you have to have a runoff election. Uh, Catherine says, I think my odds of hitting a jackpot in Vegas are better than our odds in this election cluster. Um, breaking down American institutions one at a time, the nuclear family, police elections. I mean, this is, this is a problem. Um, you know, we are, we are facing a challenge uh, that is for sure. 
Um, okay, first time for a statewide mail-in election. A lot of firsts, nothing to worry about. Sounds really smooth. <laughs> I think that was her sarcasm font that she was using there. I think that was the sarcasm font. Um, and who is at fault for the hot mess? Warren, I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I mean, um, I think, I mean, you maybe you could just say it was Alaskans who got bamboozled by the BM2 movement. BM movement, you get it. Uh, the BM2 movement, um, that they got, you know, that they got bamboozled by that, that it was a good idea with all their dark money ads. Get rid of dark money in politics by listening to this ad funded by dark money. Or, you know, I don't know. Um, is it? I think it's our politicians' fault for not being willing to take up the, you know, to take up the the uh, the election system and any kind of reforms or anything like that. Uh, I think it's apathy for people who just don't want to be involved anymore. I think people are fed up and frustrated with politics. So, I mean, it's, you know. So you can just vote for just the people you want at the ranked choice under a vote ballot. If you don't fill in every blank, is it a valid ballot? If you leave two spaces left blank, would somebody later on pen in your choices? Could you write void on ones not used? Well, I don't know about writing void or doing everything else, but your ballot will be valid until your candidates are exhausted. So if you only choose two, if those two candidates are eliminated in any of the rounds, then your ballot is then exhausted. Uh, ballot is then exhausted and it doesn't continue from there. Uh, Michael, you didn't mention the aspect that on top of all, there is a media confusion happening on process as, as the cherry on top. I agree. I mean, here's my question. What is the, this was the most disturbing part of the press conference yesterday when asked what they were going to do to try and explain all this to the public, because now there's an accelerated timeline, right? They thought it was going to be August was going to be the first part. And then they were, now, now it's like, uh, and Fanumi says, well, you know, we've got all this up on our website and we've got, uh, you know, we built some videos and we've got social media, and we're going to do a mailer. That's it? The largest change in, in Alaskan history to its voting system, now accelerated by extra elections, and you're going to say, we're just going to put it on our website and we're going to send out some mailers? Are you kidding me? Where is the outreach program? Where is the program on television and radio that's telling people exactly what's coming, that's warning them, that's explaining to them that there's a special election primary and a special election general, and that they'll be voting on two different types of elections on the same day for the same office? I mean, where is the where is that? I mean, I'm not one necessarily for government spending, but on something like this, where's the $10 million check to educate the state of Alaska? Because the people deserve to know the new system under which they work. And if they're not going to, I mean, if I'm just going to put it on my website. People will find it. I'm just going to post it on social media. People will find it. You know, we'll send out some mailers. Where is the full court press on this? That's my question. Um, Mike Schauer uh, joins us this morning. Are you there, sir? I I'm here. Okay, good. Well, I'm fired up a little bit here, so hold the line before we jump back into it. Folks, we got to go. We're jumping back into hour two. It is the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Here we go. Mike Shower up next.
Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com. You can pick up the live stream. You can see us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch TV, on the podcast after the show, on Spotify, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Welcome to Hour 2. It is Wednesday. We were just talking about inflation and we were talking about the new special elections that are coming up to fill the U.S. House seat and more, but now it is time for the shower hour of uh, power. Uh, it's the time we come on and bring State Senator Mike Shower on the program uh, to give us his thoughts on all the hot news of the day and things that are going on around the state. Good morning, my friend. You are definitely fired up this morning. I could be. I could be. I'm excited. I'm. I'm agitated. I'm. I just don't know what to do, Mike. Uh, you know, again, I, you know, straight out of the gate, we're gonna we're gonna start talking immediately about. Uh, uh, you know, about this special election. I know you were quoted pretty extensively in the ADN article uh, from uh, last night. And uh, and I understand why, because you've got one of these, uh, you know, election security bills going through and everything else. And all this talk about how, you know, what's going to happen with these ballots for this first ever statewide mail-in, uh, you know, mail-in vote. And uh, and really, nothing's nothing's happened. Nothing to see here. Move along, move along. We've got nothing going on. It, um, you know, it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of frustrating. I mean, I guess not just the mailing because I'm not necessarily concerned because if they give me a mail-in ballot, like I said, I'm going to take it down to the local, uh, you know, office and I'm going to dump it in the box there directly. I'm not going to wait for Mr. Postman to take it. But at the same time, uh, I'm concerned about some of the other you know issues that are involved in this. And I'm especially concerned about people going to the election, uh, to the ballot, to the uh, voting booth, and having to vote with two different, you know, on the same ballot for two different elections and two different types of voting, jungle primary. And I mean, it's already confusing. And the state has not impressed me so far on their job of explaining how our new voting system works. Uh huh. Is that all you got? I mean, that's where I want to start. Like, you, I'll, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bogart all your time. Mr. Motorboat there. Give me give me what you got. Well, you're not wrong about all the issues. I mean, that's what I was talking to the uh, reporter yesterday. Stopped by to ask the questions about it. And, you know, the conversation, of course, is always a lot longer. It's hard to put 10 minutes into an article. But I told him, I said, look, here's the deal. We're, we, as a state, you know, we're struggling already to be ready by August for the jungle primary. For right. the, the regular statewide election and 
than turning around for November for the general election with ranked choice voting, right? So already the state was like, you know, trying to get education materials out, trying to reach out to people and and teach them how this thing is going to work. Already we knew that was going to be tough, right? And you're looking at the Anchorage election here in, you know, just a week and a half or so, and they're struggling, right? Because some of the ballots aren't showing up, they're stuck in post offices, and you kind of look at that one and go, well, you know, poor management, guys. Everybody knows supply chain issues are a problem. You guys probably should have been ordering this stuff months ago, you know, to be ready for it, or, you know, as soon as you could have. And so um, I think that, you know, when you look at it, Mike, we talked about this, and you are going to try now with Don passing away to accelerate what's really from the date of his you know passing on the 18th of March. You have to do, you know, within 90 days, right? 60 to 90 days is what they have to do to have an election. Right. The problem you run into is that 45 days before that, you're supposed to send out to military overseas, right? So it's even worse than just 60 to 90 days to try to get this stuff out. So if we tried to pass something in the legislature as part of the conversation we had and they told us to the reporter, they said, what you're going to run into is I don't know that the legislature could move that fast and have something passed because every day we're waiting here to get something done on what the plan is, is, is another day we're going to screw it up by right. not being prepared, by not getting the materials milled out, by not being ready, right? Well, so, yeah. And as you mentioned, yeah. it's all it'll also get, I'm sure, get held up in courts by somebody. Well, that was part two. So we said, well, if we did pass that, or if, let's say, the, the administration decided, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to not follow this one because we're going to just line it up with the, with the August you know, jungle primary in the November election, because that's just, that's the best way we can do it. It gives us the most time. Well, you know, Scott Kendall, who, you know, files a lawsuit against the, you know, Governor Dunleavy every time he sneezes wrong, is going to file a lawsuit or Alaskans for better election, or God knows somebody's going to file a lawsuit. I can challenge it, right? Right. Because this administration can't turn sideways, uh, you know, without getting a lawsuit filed against them. So if we tried to do the right thing, Somebody's going to sue, right? Whether that was the legislature or the, you know, the administration, somebody's going to sue to stop it. They're going to gum it up, and that's going to be held up in court. And we're going to wait anyways. Um, so, honestly, when you look at it, Mike, I don't know what good option we have. Kendall and Jason Grin and Alaskans for Better Elections, you know, they they did this to us. This they put us in this square corner um, with this ranked choice voting. I mean, Don passing away at this time. Well, it's never a good time was obviously, you know, you probably couldn't have picked a worse time from a perspective for an election cycle. Right. right. Trying to figure out this brand new system that, you know, nobody in the nation has enacted it quite like this before. So it is really it's it's it was, you know, ranked choice voting was already kind of a train wreck headed our way with all of the changes and trying to explain it to people and as complicated as it is and all the issues. We've talked about this before in the program, but you add this timeline to it. I honestly don't know how in the world they're going to get it done, and nobody's going to be ready. I'm not sure we can actually execute it. Um, there's going to be little to no time to educate the public other than, oh, in your mail-out ballot you know, or an application, here's going to be a, a little flyer that says, here's how you fill out your engineering diagram. <laughs> you know, right. um, The jungle primary, at least, so-called, will be simple for the first one if, the, if we're able to get this out here and you know, 60, 70, 80 days, um, because it will just have the names for the one 
Congress seat. But, you know, when you, like you said, Mike, when you go to August, which I don't disagree with them trying to put it on one day because, you know, they're running, they don't have people trained. They don't have all the equipment. They don't have everything ready. So trying to do all that here and just, a, you know, like you said, less than 60 days from now, is going to be, you know, uh, you know, quite frankly, nearly a miracle if they do pull it off. But um, putting it the with the August jungle primary uh, is probably about as good as you're going to do just because there's not going to be the equipment and the people and everything to do it to them, right? So because once you do this, jungle primary for the Congress seat, the congressional seat, then 60 days later, roughly, they have to do the ranked choice voting election well, for the congressional seat. Let's, so, talk, I, let's talk about the special primary to begin with. Uh, let's talk about that from the perspective of, you know, why does it have to be mail-in? I know there's an argument about uniformed uh, uniformed military vote, UCAVA or whatever, the uniformed military voters overseas and things like that. They have to have it 45 days ahead of time. But... I mean, why why can't we have an in-person vote on the July 11th? I mean, is it truly an issue of we just don't have the people, we don't have the training? Uh, is it just more equitable? I mean, I'm looking for the justification other than the Yukava thing. Apparently, I mean, and this blows my mind, in the voting system, in the computer systems for the voter rolls, they don't have a way to clearly identify Yukava voters outside of them actually requesting a ballot they don't know they can't differentiate those voters on the voter rolls you would think that that would be something that would be important in that system since they have federal requirements that they have to meet with the ukava voters you think that that would be something that would be important to have in a piece of software to be able to discern that kind of stuff but i mean is this really the only choice are you are you swayed by that argument or what do you what do you think it's not the only choice, Mike. Like I said, there are several options to pick from here. But on this particular and this particular item at this time, I don't know what better option there is because, again, it goes back to – and look, I'll be fair you know, to the governor, Lieutenant Governor. They've called – and I've talked to them several times in the last few days because, again, I'm kind of Mr. Election, right, at least on the, uh, you know, the Senate side and the bills and been working on this for years. So – you know, we, you know, basically had strategy sessions in our office. We've said, what about this? Let's try that. And I've, I've talked, you know, we've talked to Ledge Legal. We've talked to various other folks, you know, the legislators trying to go, what could we do that's going to make this work? And, and quite frankly, Mike, every time we look at it, we go, yeah, that's not, not going to work. We're not going to be ready. Don't have the people, um, so, you know, lawsuits, all those different things. You can pick an option and run with it. But the concern was, what is what would still meet the requirements of the new law to try to prevent lawsuits from being found. God knows they'll probably still file something anyway. Somebody will, no matter what you pick. So I have some sympathy on this one because the, the, they're legitimately trying to solve this with no good option. And I would prefer to do in-person voting as well, like we've talked about. I'm not a fan of all mail-out or, you know, if you choose an absentee ballot, and that should be a choice you can make, but not you know all mail out but this one's just going to be mike i don't i don't think you got the people to be ready in time i mean there's a there's a real thing here there's they were struggling trying to have a program to train up for august as as tough as that you know as you go, well that's that's many months out we can do it but you and i both know between what well, like, like i said the anchorage election not making excuses for it i'm just looking at it. i really don't know what great option we have on this one because the timeline is so short just printing the stuff up and being ready ballots straight up, whether you're in person or not, 
may not be able to get it done in time. So there's a lot of what ifs here, and there there isn't a great option. August, if we could slip it that long, or we could pass something, or take the chance of the lawsuits, et cetera, would probably be doable to me. That was probably the next best option was to try to pass something. But at the end of the day, just about everybody went, yeah, you know what? They're going to sue. Um, courts are probably going to agree with them because the courts always oppose us, right? If it's something good for the people, it's like courts go, nope, not going to do that. Strike it down. So we just wasted months um, in the process while we have an empty seat. So I, I don't know, Mike. They're really This one I struggle with, and, and I think most people are because this just – you know, this puts us in a pickle and, um, you know, it goes back to, I wish Don would have picked somebody years ago and, and mentored that person and got them, you know, into office. We didn't lose half a century of, you know, institutional knowledge and, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. And, um, you know, I, I got no ill will towards Don and his family. And this is always tough when somebody passes away, but it is a big loss to the state. Um, you know, having that empty seat and losing that knowledge. So, this just puts us in, you know, like I said, with the timing of it, while there's never a good time, this is about as bad of a time as you could choose um, with what the state's facing on how we're going to pull off this, this voting scheme. Because I will tell you, when this is over, I think most people are going to go, you got to be kidding me. This thing's chocolate mess. I'm like, I've been telling you guys that coming up in August and November anyways, <laughs> and I'm trying to do this. Yeah, and now oh, you're going to do, boy. and now you're going to do both types of voting on the same day, on the same ballot, for the same office. You're going to tell me that people aren't going to be confused. People who are not like plugged in or super voters who are not paying attention, they're going to wander into the voting booth and go, "What the actual hell is going on?" Um, like I said, they're going to do that anyways. And you add this to it, it's just more, you know. But how are you going to try to pull off two on two different days with the money and the time? Just again, what good option is there with this? There isn't one. Period. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about ballot security here uh, in light of this whole new statewide mail-in voting thing. Uh, And I want to talk about that, but we're up against the break. So I'm going to put you on hold because I know otherwise you'd just start talking about it because that's who you are. We're going to be back. I could poke at him. I could poke at him a little bit. Uh, All right. We're going to be back. Don't go anywhere. We're going to continue with Mike Shower. Uh, The shower hour of power continues. Your home for common sense radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, In the break. Oh, man. Uh, there's a lot of commentary going on here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, uh, shower with us here during the break. Print sample ballots fill out for people to use as an example on the booth, says Edie. That's not a bad idea. I've done that in the past, printed out a sample ballot and, and marked it for people because I, because people come to me and they're like, who do I vote for? I'm like, what? And they're like, I just, I haven't been paying attention. Tell me who to vote for. I trust That's you. That's most people, Mike. 
that's part of the fallacy of you know how we're going to train people up. We're going to have them ready for this. We're going to teach them. No, you're not, because you've got what five percent of the population. I can guarantee it's probably not even ten percent actually pays attention to what's happening, who the candidates are, all the issues. Nobody really pays attention that steps into the booth. Almost everybody shows up just like that. Oh, well, you know, I'm a Democrat, so I'm just going to vote for the D, or I'm a Republican, I'm going to vote for the R, or whatever. And that's what most people do. I've said this over and over and over again to the director of the Division of Elections, administration officials. We all know that most people are going to show up, and probably half of them are going to go show up and think it's a regular ballot and go, what's this thing? Uh, uh, we've been trying to tell everybody. We've sent out educational stuff. You know, we've done social media posts, newspaper, whatever. And still people are going to go show up, and what is this thing? They don't even, not even know what it is, Mike. That's reality. I'm not trying to deal in the fantasy world. I'm dealing with reality. And reality is most people aren't going to pay attention, and they're, they're trying to be all rosy-cheeked and utopian. Oh, we're going to teach everybody. It's going to be great. You know, we're going to have outreach. No, you're not. Most people aren't going to pay attention. They're not going to care until they show up and go, what the heck is this thing? That's reality, Mike. Most people show up and don't even know, like you just said, they don't even know who to vote for. Well, I don't pay attention to that stuff. I'm just here to vote. Oh, boy. So don't try to convince me that a flyer put out in the envelope for your absentee ballot is going to teach people how to use a system that we can sit in a state affairs hearing for an hour and a half with all the experts and still be scratching our heads about this eventuality or that or, or the other. So it's going to be a problem, Mike. And, you know, you're going to have to do your best individually to, you know, figure out who to vote for and how to vote because it's, you know, once the session's over, I'll spend more time, you know, and, uh, talking about it. But we're going to have very little time to talk about this jungle primary one because, you know, the session is going to be over probably not long before that. Right. Ex- well, exactly. I mean, this, the session ends, what, the 17th of May or something or the 18th of May? Uh, yeah. for the 120 days if it goes you know that far um and yeah you guys will have very little time to discuss that this is um and again it's not that i don't trust people to have the intelligence to figure it out given enough time the problem is is that i think most people are just they're either they're tired they're not inclined to pay attention to politics other than the fact that they know it's their civic duty to vote uh, but I mean, I love that. Hey, I don't pay attention to any of this stuff, but I do have to go vote. That's like, you know, handing a gun to a teenager and just like, you know, here you go. Just go do whatever. Uh, you know, it, it, it just feel like if it's your responsibility to vote, shouldn't it be your responsibility to learn the issues and to learn the candidates and to do that kind of stuff? I'm not saying that it should be required, but I'm saying shouldn't you as a responsible citizen before you go into a voting booth? at least inform yourself on the choices that are in front of you? Of course you should. But again, you and I like to deal in, you know, reality. And the reality is nine out of 10 people or more will not do that. Mike, you said it yourself. They're too busy working. They're too busy raising a family. They're too tired. They're too distracted. They don't care about it. Can't blame them for that politics. I don't want to mess with that stuff. So the reality is most people just aren't going to pay attention. They'll show up and vote. And they go, what the heck is this sheet? Who the heck am I supposed to vote for? How do I do that? What do you mean there's freaking 50 bubbles i got to fill out? That's what reality is going to happen, right? That's, that's just what it is. You can try to kick and scream and say we're going to educate people and it's going to be great. That's a lie. You can't, Mike. We can, again, I go back to it. How many times do I have to say it? 
We sat there for an hour and a half with all these people that are actually paying attention and trying to figure it out. Still going, well, what about this? Well, I'm not sure. You, what? And you think your 75-year-old grandma or grandpa <sighs> hold on. is going to show up and be able to do that? Hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right, so with the passage of BM2, <laughs> I can't believe I actually got to say that in a sentence. With the passage of BM2, a lot of things have changed. I feel so much lighter. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's changed a few things, including, of course, the jungle primary and the, uh, and the ranked choice voting. Uh, but, of course, now with the passage of Don Young, it's going to require us to do a very special election, a very special primary. Uh, and that's going to be an all-mail-in ballot statewide. Uh, and one of the concerns that we've all had, including, including myself, is, uh, of course, security. Security on those ballots. Because we've never done a statewide mail-in ballot before here. Some states have, mostly western states, uh, Utah, Colorado, uh, California, Oregon, uh, Washington. They've done, at uh, Hawaii, they've all done uh, you know mail-in ballots. But this is the first time for the state of Alaska, and we've got some concerns. I think, you know, valid concerns about security. What say you, Mike Shower, about voter security and ballot security in this mail-in voting system? I mean, should we be concerned? Well, I mean, Mike, you, you should always be concerned about the security of your election system. I mean, anybody that would say, you know, as we did from the 2016 election, when, as I've said, I don't know how many times i got to keep saying it, but I'll keep saying it. The left was angry because Russian collusion, stolen election, blah, blah, blah. They can sit here and stomp up and down now and say, we never did that. Yes, you did. We all watched to do it for four years, right? You know, because you, you hated Trump. Fair enough, right? Not your guy. Not my president. Now I can point to dozens of articles that I archived that showed how the entire media system and the left wing of the country was trying to undercut the faith in our election system by saying it's vulnerable. There's hacking. There's all kinds of identity theft. This could be a problem because they were afraid Trump was going to win. They were setting the stage to undercut him if he got reelected. Note it. I'm not stupid. I know what they were doing. As soon as Biden won on November 20th, and I simply say he didn't win, whatever, not going to go there. Right? Just going to say that's what it is. So Biden won on November 2020, and all of a sudden, this is the best election system we've ever had. It's perfectly secure. There's nothing to see here. And then the right lost its mind upset, you know, stolen election, blah, 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 blah. Mike, the point is, nobody trusts it. On either side, when the other person wins now, not your guy or your gal, then all of a sudden it's the election system. It's fraudulent. There was a, That's what everybody's been saying for five and a half years running now. So... Yes, everybody should be concerned always, especially in the modern world, with identity theft, with everything online, with hacking, with all of the hacks the state has had with your personal data, which at this point it seems like just about everybody's had their data hacked by some dark player, dark, you know, dark web kind of a thing. So, yes, we should be concerned. We should be working on it. Yes, I'm agreeing with you. I don't want to spend money, but if there was one thing we were going to spend it on, it certainly should be this and tightening up our election system. So 
I have concerns, right? Because we, one of the things we're trying to do is like a ballot track. So you mentioned California. Well, I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we should be doing something more like California is doing for our election, which they have like a ballot track system that monitors your ballot or tracks it electronically the whole time when it gets mailed out or absentee. They know, you know, it's, it's scanned. They know when it's mailed. They know when you get it. You can track it on your phone or whatever. When you mail it back, it tracks. When they get it, you track it. It says that your ballot's been counted. If there's a problem with it, they can notify you to cure it. Why in the world in the 21st century are we not doing that right now? Other states are doing so if you're going to have mail-out ballots or absentee, which we do. And that should be an option. There's reasons for that, right? said, right? So um, we're not doing things like that, Mike. We haven't updated our system with watermarks or other things to track our ballots to make sure that we have a forensic trail. We asked some of the experts, like from the Public Interest Legal Foundation and the Heritage Foundation, had them online to testify. Paper ballots. Some people said, all paper ballots. And they're like, don't do it. They said, that's every dictator's dream because you can stuff the ballot box, right? So any path you pick, somebody's going to say that's a terrible idea. It's not going to work. And here's why. It's vulnerable. It's dangerous. Whatever. At the end of the day, Mike, we just got to pick it and do it as best we can and try to make it right. I still think you should have in-person voting. Most people that are conservative like to vote in person. That's what they trust. It's more secure. It, quite frankly, is our most secure way, really, to do it. And that's an option, and we should have it. Some people are absentee because they're overseas, military, whatever. We need to have that. Some people just like it. That's fine. I don't mind a multi-tier system that has something for everybody that chooses in the way they want to vote. But there's always a security issue. Always. Mike Showers, our guest, uh, GOP state senator from District E. Uh, all right, so uh, security, uh, mail-in ballots, we've talked about it. Here's my, here's, my, here's my thing. The one thing that concerned me, and you, you called in right at the tail end of that last segment, or, or uh, top of the hour, I guess it was top of the hour break, you called in and probably heard me rant about this at the very end. One of the I most hear. disturbing things that I heard in the press conference yesterday was one of the reporters asked, so what, you know, what are we doing to educate the public about, you know, A, ranked choice voting and the jungle primary, that all the BM2 stuff? What are we doing to educate them about the special elections and, you know, when they're going to fall and all this kind of stuff and everything else? Um, and uh, Funiyami said, uh, she took the podium and, and, and said basically, well, you know, we've put out some videos. We had a flyer already in January, which, by the way, I never saw. I got five registered voters, four registered voters in my house. I never saw one, but that's okay. Um, oh, and we've put up, we, we, you know, we put this on our website, and we've done some social media, and we're going to do some mailers, and, and, and we're going to do that. And I thought, okay, wait a second. Not a huge fan of government spending here, right? That's, that's You know me. I'm not a huge fan of that. But for the love of God, you have completely upended the entire voting system to change the way that it's done. And you're now adding special elections to this that people are not used to, not aware of, again, probably not even paying attention to. And you're telling me that your idea of educating the public is putting up a website somewhere that people have no idea about, that are probably not going to, they may not even be able to find it if they don't run Google right or whatever. I mean, where is the $10 million to educate the public on this upcoming voting change? Putting it in television and radio and, and you know, newspapers and magazines and, you know, put it, pumping it everywhere to say, find out more information to then go to our website and figure out where is the outreach on that? I mean, I'm just, I was shocked that that was her answer. 
Well, Mike, that's kind of been the answer so far. And, you know, I try to be very fair where I can be. There, first of all, it almost doesn't matter what we do because you're not going to reach everybody. Most people aren't going to pay attention. If you send a flyer, they're going to throw it away. If it's a commercial for 30 seconds or something on TV, they're going to ignore it, turn it off, put it on mute, right? They're not going to go to town halls. They don't, you're going to have the same people you see every time we go. It's always the same people, right? Whenever we have town halls or meet and greets, it's, you know, 75, 80% of the time, it's the exact same people over and over again. Very, very small slice of the population. So there's that, first of all, just humanity, people's nature to not pay attention to it until it swims up and, you know, bites them, right, or hits them in the wallet. So that's number one. Number two, there is no plan to spend that money that I'm aware of, and there hasn't been, for this outreach, you know, beyond whatever they're doing right now. So um, I don't see that anywhere. Mike, I mean, I've been working on election, you know, an election bill for years. Can't get it past the body. I mean, I've got people like, uh, you know, some of the representatives in the House, like Harriet Drummond from last year, saying, that shows up in the House, it's dead on arrival, right? And, you know, so you have that kind of um, cooperation, you know, between the bodies for some kind of election bill, then, well, that's not going to bode well for trying to secure the system, right? Or so you have this animosity between the bodies because I am a Republican, so we're not even going to pass that. Or, you know, uh, Tuck's, you know, bill, which is the opposite of mine, and Senate going, we're not going to pass that, or we're not even going to look at it. So, I, I don't know, Mike. And then you add the timeline of Young's passing to this, and you go, we are literally in a perfect storm of not having the time or really a plan or the money dedicated to doing this. And so I've asked those questions, Mike. I told you before I asked Gail Fanami, I, the director of the Division of Elections, what's your plan for all the people whose data was stolen? Well, we don't have one. You don't have one? You're not going to cross-check those. You're not going to double-check those people's names, make sure they voted or didn't or send something out to them. No. What? What do you mean, no? That's not a good answer. We know their data is stolen. We know that every piece of information that you need to request an absentee ballot and vote in their name was stolen in the data hack, and you have no plan? That's correct. you got to be kidding me. So, Mike, whether it is a lack of desire whether it is, I, I don't even know, Mike. This is this is where I get frustrated like you, and I just go, I don't know what to do. Um, well, that's not true. I know what to do. I don't know how to get it done past the bureaucracy or the indifference or the ideology or whatever it is that's driving different people. Um, you know, like I said, brother, I need a billion dollars to fight this, right? I, I need to hire a team of lawyers and private investigators and all this stuff to try to, and I, I don't, I don't have the resources so, to fight every one of these battles. And that's where everybody says, well, just do this. I'm like, really? You're sitting here, Mike, and we're talking about how in the world do you get past this problem? How? I'm not sure. I'm trying to do it via legislation. I can't make the director of the division of elections do anything or have a good plan. I can't convince the Lieutenant governor, you know, to do whatever. And I'm not saying, I'm not even throwing a spear there. I'm just saying I can't make anybody do something, right, um, in law because some of this takes legislative change or it takes policy directives. So I just don't see a great path forward on this right now, already knowing that ranked choice voting um, with the jungle primary it was is going to be a chocolate mess. It is. 
we've been saying it for a long time, right? Since it passed. Well, so I mean, and I, now it's upon us. Okay, so back to my original question, though. I mean, so do you support? I mean, would you support the idea of outreach to the to the citizens to explain all this to them? I mean, well, because I because because I, I think that again, I think making a website. And putting up some social media posts and sending out some flyers is the absolute bare minimum you could do. Again, you know, we saw how ballot measure two got passed, right? They flooded the airwaves, the radio, the television, the newspapers. They put it everywhere. They talked about it everywhere. That's how it got passed. That's how people got bamboozled. And I mean, we should take a play from that playbook to say, how do we do, how do we, how do we educate people on how this is going to work? It's got to be full court press in every available outlet you can see to at least educate people on how this is supposed to work. Well, I mean, Mike, you're, you're asking the right question. Um, I don't know how to appropriate the money. I don't know. Like I said, I go back to, I don't know that the legislature is capable of moving something like this in this amount of time and what resistance you would see. It's not that it couldn't be tried, but I've been asking those questions for a couple of days so far, kind of, you know, everybody's scratching their head on, uh, I don't know. Uh, they, I don't think the administration has that kind of money. I don't think any of the federal funds coming in can be used for that, although it's a valid question to ask. And quite frankly, I have not asked that question. I'm assuming they're working on that. I hate to assume anything. But again, I'm not just doing this, right? I mean, I've got bills and committees and everything else in the budget and the PFD battle and trying to get amendments ready because that's upon us, like in the next few days or week or so. So, again, I go back to timing. There's only so much I can run, you know, for this So at, at one time. So, I basically, Mike, for me, I'm, I'm kind of out of time, right? We're, we're just out of time on this one. There isn't much time to do this, and we need to do everything you're saying with this, and I, I don't know. Well, I mean, here's I the just, problem. Here's the problem, Mike. Putting aside the whole Don Young thing in the special election, we knew this was coming. The governor knew this was coming. The lieutenant governor, the division of elections knew this was coming. The legislature knew this was coming. They knew that this whole new voting system was going to be impaneled and it was all going to take place in November. And nobody has a plan to educate the public on this. Nobody has an idea. Nobody's got money set aside for public outreach and education on this. Of all the things that we could spend money on and we should have planned to spend money on, Nobody bothered to say we might want to throw a few shekels in the coffer over here to make sure that we got some outreach on this? Well, there is a plan to do the outreach. I don't know how much money has been allocated or what the administration was planning on spending, because there is a budget for this, right? Excuse me. Voice is going out. There is a budget for this, um, for the election and what they're spending. I could find out for you and tell you next week. I I can get those answers. I don't know how much it was or whatever, you know, they're planning for it. But, I mean, we've talked about it. And like you said, you asked the division of director uh, or the division of election director, you know, well, yeah, we're going to send out flyers. We're going to do these. I don't know how much that was, but I'll find out and I'll tell you. Um, But so, yeah, there's a plan, but there's more pieces to that plan. I said, what about the, you know, the people's dad that was stolen well she actually said yeah no, no i mean i, I right. agree so, i think so those that's definitely that's that's even almost more troubling than the rest of this stuff that they have no plan to deal with some of that stuff 
But there is a plan. I'm just saying I don't know how robust it is. I don't know how much money you're asking questions that I, just, I don't have the answer to because that's not the level of detail I've personally got. You know, I'm like, okay, guys, do your freaking job. I can't do that job too on top right. of everything else I'm no, doing. So I get, I get you. They, they, they say they're going to do this and they're going to mail out flyers and have outreach and all this kind of stuff. But I go back to Mike, it's irrelevant. It, it almost doesn't matter how much we could spend $10 million on it. You're still going to only reach a, a percentage of the population that's going to pay any attention to you go to. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer about it. I'm just telling you, you and I both know this. That's why I say it's it's going to be a train wreck. We got to educate people and do our best. Yes, we need to spend money on it. We need to fire these things off and try to get people ready and have poll workers set up and ready to answer questions and do what they can. But the reality is, Mike, a lot of people are going to do mail out or absentee, like Anchorage, the left-wing assembly wants all mail out, right? They think that works to their advantage. Well, you try to send all mail out with a flyer to somebody that sees this and they get a bubble diagram and here's how you fill this silly thing out, they're not going to know what to do. They're going to screw it up like you read about. And not um, not because it's nothing to do with intelligence. It's because, again, intelligent people can sit there for an hour and a half in a room and still scratch their head over it, Yeah, how it works and the differences. So you're going to tell the public that in, in, in minutes? When they get an absentee or mail-out ballot, it's just that's the reality of this screwed-up system that Kendall and Grin and Alaskan for Better Elections and those schemers that did all this to make sure Murkowski got elected. Because remember, Kendall worked for her, right? Right, right. That's the whole point of this. I gotta gotta go. Hold the line. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) Music in the background. Gotta go. All right. The Michael Duke Show continues. We got more coming up. Mike Showers, our guest. We continue right after this. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Um. <laughs> I'm just reading some of the comments here. Um, uh, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Um, it's not. This is not I'm looking anymore. I'm but... sorry. What was that? I'm sorry. I had you to, had you on hold. What? No, no. I said I, I'm sure there's some great comments, but I get you know whatever people are saying. I'm having to deal with reality, and there are probably some great comments. There's probably some great ideas. I've got great ideas. The problem is I can't execute them either. I can't get legislation passed to do it, or the administration would have to do it, or the director of division of elections would have to do it. And we, you know, how many years have we been talking about this now, and the bureaucracy and trying to change it? So, you know, there's some great ideas out there, Mike. I just don't know what's possible at this point, or executable might be a better word. Um. Yeah. No. I. I agree. Um. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I think that, you know, there are good ideas in the chat room. There's, you know, you've come up with some good ideas, but it's always in the execution. How do you get it done? Uh, and we have to talk about these things all the time because it's the only way to highlight them and bring the information out there. Otherwise, people are just not paying attention to it. Um, but think about it, Mike. You got your radio show. What, you got a couple thousand people listening? Maybe I mean, I don't know what your numbers are. A million whatever. people. A million, a million people, people are right? listening to the show <laughs> Most right Most of now. us don't live in Alaska. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, that your, your show has about that same number of people every week, generally. Same people listen to it. But it's a small slice of the population. You could educate them perfectly. And they're probably going to be one of a handful that actually know or have some idea how to fill this thing out. Your average person doesn't. 
that's still your most daunting task. How do you educate the masses, most of the people that are going to show up and vote, who aren't going to pay attention until they get there? Or they're not going to pay attention until their absentee ballot shows up. How are you going to do that? And I don't know what you can do. You can't go door to door, you know, and tell every person and give them 15 minutes. There's no possible way to do that. So I'm going to try myself, right? I had plans this summer to go, I'm going to go over the jungle primary, ranked choice voting. I'm going to show you how to do it. That's not going to work for the jungle primary here in a couple of weeks. I can't really, realistically, I can try, right? But the timeline's tight. I'm going to have to do some of that fact specific because I am allowed to do that, right, without getting in trouble talking about campaign stuff um, while we're in session. So, you know, but I still have to be careful. I just can't go out and start talking about it because I can get myself in trouble, right, for talking about, you know, campaign type things during the, the session. I mean, it, right. it puts us into a square corner. It right. really does. Yeah. It makes it very hard for us to do the right thing here and get this information out. I'm going to have to try, but I'm just one, again, that has a small reach. Maybe a few thousand people see it. Oh, Mike, we got 400,000 voters to get to all over the state. Right. Well, we're, uh, uh, I, I hope that, uh, I hope that, uh, uh, we can at least, even if we just educate a core here on the program and through your Facebook or everything else, hopefully they can go out and everybody there can teach one or two and, and we could, you know, spread it out a little bit, but I'm not exactly hopeful at this point. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm not exactly hopeful that this can that this can go on. Well, I'm not either, Mike. I don't really know um, what a best answer is that is also doable in the short time frame we have for this June election, or even going into August. Because, like I said, we are struggling. I already knew <clears throat> we were struggling, and we were going to struggle to be ready to do it right in August for just the primary not the much more complicated and fun event that the ranked choice voting is going to be in November. How we do this in June or so, and then into August, double tapping all that. <laughs> I'm just shaking my head, Mike. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a silver lining here. Maybe this is going to show people early just how screwed up this system is and that we need to dump this thing and go back to an election system where we elect a person on the actual election night. I think I told you on here, right? We're not going to know for two weeks after the election right, I know. who the final people are that actually won. And you're going to see names swap. You're going to have to wait under this wonderful system we've been given for two weeks before you know who won the election. Sounds good, doesn't it? Right. Well, no, I'm excited about it, aren't you? I mean, come mm-hmm. on. Pins mm-hmm. and needles, baby. Pins and needles. That's <laughs> just, you know... Oh, man. Well, they have, I mean, Mike, there's a few things that I can say so many bad things about. This would be one of them, right? I, I really have nothing positive to say about it at all. I mean, it just, there just isn't. All of the things about this don't bode well for a fair election system, especially when, as I've said before, when the, the, the liberal-minded people on the left that created this system knew or should have known going into it that the data nationwide shows that it suppresses the vote of minorities. Right. No. Wow. And yeah. you knew it <clears throat> 20 when seconds. you made it. 20 seconds now. Uh, I agree. I mean, when the data shows that and we know it and we've talked about it, we've talked with experts about this. It's not a, it's, it's not a sound system, but uh, it is what it is. All right. We're going to jump back into it. We're going to give Mike free reign here in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. 
The Michael Duke Show. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Let's get back into it. Here we go. Well, ring, ring. How are you? You ready to go? One final segment here of the program. The shower hour of power. That's right. Mike Shower with us right now, State Senator District E. And I've monopolized kind of the direction of the conversation today. So I thought I would give Mike the opportunity here in the last segment to bring us up to speed on anything else uh, that he's been looking at, working on, thinking about. Uh, it could be this special election stuff, or it could be something completely different. Let's give him the floor to just say, what do you do? Uh, so what's up, my friend? What's on your mind? Well, let's just finish the thought on the election stuff, because it has been, you know, it's a hot topic, you know, because of the congressional seat. So I will say this, and we were talking about in the break right before we had to cut out, you know, that I've been, you know, my bill, all. I'm suppressing the vote, right? I'm a, I'm a racist. I'm a this, that, and the other, you know, of minorities because of my election bill. Garbage, lies, spin. We know that. This is politics. You can't destroy the message, destroy the messenger, right? We know what they're up to. But I look at the Anchorage Democratic News, also known as the Anchorage Daily News, the Anchorage Press, the Juno Empire, et cetera. And it's left-wing, mostly garbage, right? Just nothing but a mouthpiece for the left-wing stuff. And yet they know that ranked choice voting suppresses the votes of minorities. The data is undisputable around the nation that it does that. They know it. Now, they've printed that I am, you know, suppressing the vote, and people, and certain Democrats in the legislature saying that's a suppression of the vote bill. You know, they've printed that ad nauseum over and over again on the radio, et cetera. On the, oh, they did no problem quoting that. Show me once, Mike, show me once where any news media, so-called mainstream in this state, have ever printed or talked about ranked choice voting suppressing the vote of minorities, brown and black, and uneducated. Show me. It doesn't exist. They only push the narrative, Mike. They don't push the truth. You don't need more examples of why nobody trusts the fake news of the MSM, because they do garbage like this. If they were fair and balanced, they would be printing, well, you know, actually the uh, nationwide data does show that ranked choice voting tends to suppress the votes of minorities and, and English as a second language and the elderly. At least they would be fair, right? Show me, Mike. They don't do it. So it's, it is an, un, that's one more thing when you say, well, how can we can't fix this? Things like that. Because the press won't be responsible. They won't be fair and balanced, right? They never do. I just went there with an AP reporter where we were talking about, you know, um, some issues of things coming up and it was all one-sided, right? There was, there was no real mention of the other side of the argument for things that were coming up. It happens all the time. So just more things for people to consider and, and why, and, and the press always wonders and laments the fact that nobody trusts them because of that, because you only print one side or you take things out of context or I give you 15 minutes of an interview and you only say one thing that doesn't counter your left-sided narrative, right? So I'm tired of it too. Half the time I don't even want to talk to the press and we're like, yeah, whatever. You guys are just going to take it out of context or not going to use anything I said. And part of it was, and this one was about the Constitutional Convention. I, I spent a lot of time with an AP reporter, not one quote from me, not one. 
only one quote from Bob Burgess, a supporter, multiple quotes from people like John Coghill and others that oppose the, the constitutional convention, right? Now you can see how this is going to play out. So right. enough on that. Um, with the last couple minutes here, other stuff outside of election. Um, so the PFD battle's coming. Uh, waiting to see what kind of plans are going to come out of Senate finance with this. So I know they're trying to resurrect essentially Senate Bill 53 that they schemed up last fall with this, and it's now called Senate Bill 199 or 200, one of those two. Uh, one of them's like a 75-25, right, 75% more of the money going to government. Um, the other one is like the the four- or five-year scheme, you know, like a 50-50, but then drops right down to a low PFD and slowly steps its way up to a maybe 50-50, all statutory, right? No plan to come out of the Senate finance with a constitutional amendment that would guarantee it, like from the fiscal policy working group I was on. So, you know, we're working on that for ways and how we're going to, do we have the numbers to amend that, to change it? Um, you know, enough people willing to to jump on it uh, and make that work with some, some version of it. Um, it's going to be a real tough pill for some to swallow that doesn't have the constitutional side to it. Um, it will probably, you know, fall apart because, you know, personally, Mike, I've got to see constitutional protection. I've said that all along. I said I don't like it, but I will go to a 50-50 split of the POMB draw or a repeal. I'd love to see SB 26 repealed, the POMB, but the, the votes don't exist. I can tell you that right now in the legislature. Right. Um, but if it's statutory only with no constitutional protection, well, I can't, I can't agree to that, right? Um, and the statute, any statute I vote for would have to have the contingency language that says if the constitutional amendment doesn't pass or doesn't come up on the November ballot, then, then this 50-50 fails, right? Because I can't agree to that because I know we're not going to follow the statute. We have a demonstrated history. So there's that battle taking place. Whatever the House does, God only knows that the Senate is able to pull us together. The real issue, and there is a chance of that. There is a chance. But the House probably can't get it done based on how fractured they are. I mean, you know, they don't even really have a 21-person majority. I mean, right. fractures, you know, one or two or three that are right, it's outliers deep. on that, too. So I just... Even if the Senate is able to pass this, which there is a chance, and we're, we are pushing, we're working, like I said, Mike, I've been meeting with Democrats more than I've been meeting with Republicans. Republicans still haven't had a caucus meeting. Here's the Republican majority caucus. We have not had one meeting so far this session to discuss strategy or where we stand on thing, not one. But I'm meeting with the Democrats to talk to them because at least they're talking to me. So, you know, we got that going for us. Um, so uh, we're trying. And we might, but I, I really think that no matter what the Senate does, if it's able to pull something off, that the House is not going to come together enough to be able to do it. And I go back to, as I've told people, said, that's fine by me, because if the legislature fails, then we'll, we're going to make the people so angry they're going to vote for a constitutional convention. And then it's, there you go. And then we're going to have to figure out how to make that work and, and try to get it right. So um, that's kind of where we are. The budget is still kind of just the budget. Um, it's going to be pretty neutral. I don't think you're going to see any big increases. I don't think you're going to see any big decreases. I think it's going to be fairly flat because nobody seems to have the stomach for any big fights. Um, you know, all I'm trying to do, because we're not having many subcommittee meetings either on the budget, um, as I believe that was directed out of finance. Um, so not many bites of the apple, so-called, for that. So there's the PFD battle stuff. There's the budgets coming up. And then, of course, the push on election bills, you know, and, and personal bills. I mean, we are, what, 20, 25 days left to the 90-day session yeah. limit? Well, yeah, less than that, law. yeah. So um, we don't have much time on personal bills, and this is the end of the two years. 
and anything that doesn't pass dies and has to start over. So that's kind of where we are with stuff right now on the, the legislative side. Um, and then, you know, we just talked for 40 minutes on the other hot topic, which is the, right. you know, this having to move up the well, timeline with the, Don Young. So I don't know. There's a lot. It's going to get real busy in the next 30 days. Three weeks, uh, three weeks till the end of the 90 day mark. And then uh, we're only, uh, that makes us seven, eight weeks away from the 120 day mark. So something's got to get done. Obviously, I don't think we're going to hit the 90 day mark for sure, but no. Yeah, no, we'll, I don't we'll, see any yeah. possible way we do that. Yeah, I just I don't. don't. I just don't see it happening. All right, well, Mike Shower, thank you, my friend. I appreciate uh, you coming on board. And uh, well, well, I guess we'll see what happens here in the next few days. Thank you so much for being part of it. Of course. All right, hold the line, folks. We're out of time. We got uh, more coming up tomorrow. I have no idea who I'm going to have on. Right, now, it could be open line, open form. Who knows? We'll see. We'll make it a surprise. That's what life is good for, yeah? We will continue tomorrow. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. Well... All I can say is, um, if the state of Alaska moves forward uh, on this whole thing, and they don't have some outreach, um, especially on education or voter education, uh, I think there needs to be a class action lawsuit against the state of Alaska, quite honestly. And uh, I would probably be willing to lead that, uh, just because I think this is such a fundamental shift in how we do things, and people, as you say, don't really pay attention. And if the state abdicates its responsibility to educate the voters on the changes that are coming up, I mean, that's a dereliction of duty, uh, I think, at that point. And I don't know if there was, would be standing on that or not, but I would definitely like to find out uh, because they definitely uh, need to be educating the people of Alaska. And I'm sorry, a website and a mailer is not going to cut it. Well, Mike, you know I don't. I, 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 well, you know that I agree with you on this. I mean, I've been pushing for this for a very long time. I have expressed my frustration on this program many times with the bureaucracy and those in it that seem to be resistant to do much of anything for a lot of these different things, including the educational piece of this or changing our election system. I have people in the system from the top down go, oh, "It's all fine. Nothing to see here. Everything's good." No, it's not. We all know it's not. So. I'm as frustrated as you guys are. Class action lawsuit, maybe so. I don't know that what it would co- accomplish. Maybe it's the right answer to force something. I just don't have um, a lot of faith that there has been much interest in trying to update things. Not not, not, not broad brush. That's not everybody, of course. But generically speaking, I'm pretty doggone frustrated with all this. You know it. I mean, I, I we go back to that report. I still don't have that report. You know, I understood the Senate president gave a subpoena. Remember we talked about that? Right. Gave a subpoena to uh, Von Emhoff. Sure, for, for her the, thing on the permanent fund board, right? On the permanent fund thing, right? For a uh, for one person, gave the subpoena approval along with the House Speaker for the this this hunt for the, what happened with one person on one board. I can't get a subpoena to get a, an election report that affects the whole state, everybody, and our faith in the election system. Still don't have it. Still can't get it. So, talk to me about frustration, brother.
of trying to do the right thing and beat your head against a bureaucratic wall and people that helped others but not me, right, to do this. What's so damning in that report that I can't see it? I've been told even it's not that bad, just some stuff that should but 18 recommendations, three pages of it, blacked out. Can't, so talk to me about frustration with all of this. Yeah. So it, it is been a long and tortuous road to get to this point. And when you add the timeline of Don Young's passing, um, we are in what we would call in the flying world a literal square corner where you can't pull up out of it without hitting the ground, right? Because you have no room left to make that turn. Right. And that's kind of where we are right now. We are in a square corner. Well, I wish there was a way to, uh, wish there was a way to fix it. Uh, you know, wave our magic wand to make it happen. But, uh, that's, I guess, uh, where we're at right now. We'll, we'll have to watch and see what happens over the next, uh, couple weeks as we get things squared away. April 1st is the deadline, by the way, if anybody out there decides they want to file for the seat for Don Young uh, to fill in for until the end. April 1st is the deadline. And um, I guess we'll just see what happens from here, my friend. Keep your fingers crossed, brother. Still educate people. You and I can talk about it, and we will. We'll talk in the program. You know, the, the jungle primary, at least in June, July, is going to be relatively easy. You know, you just one going to be one list with a list of names and you put one bubble down for your choices so at least that will be simple you know the the one in august is probably going to be oh that's a whole different story but we'll get to that yeah no i agree all right well thank you my friend i appreciate you coming on board we will uh see you next time okay all right mike take care all right folks uh again out of time for today yeah april fool's day is the uh drop dead deadline for that what are you going to do? Uh, all right. We will uh, see you guys tomorrow. 6 a.m. Bright and early. Be here or be square. Be there or be square. Be here or be... Never mind. All right. We got to go. Time to get out of here and make things happen out in the real world. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
shed our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 